You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Dieter Bone from The Verge, and I'm breaking into your podcast for just a minute to ask you a pretty simple question. Have you ever read or watched a tech review and thought, Ugh, this is just not for me. It's way too nerdy, and it's made by some super fan who just wants to talk about how many pixels there are on the screen, when really all you want to know is, is it any good, and how do you actually use the darn thing? Well, good news, we've just launched Verge Guidebook. It's the next generation of our tech reviews program. With Guidebook, we're going to tell you what to buy, what's not worth your money, and most importantly, how to actually use it. You can head it over to theverge.com slash reviews, and you're going to find our editor's picks, the very best gadgets in every category, from smartphones to laptops to crazy stuff like smart light bulbs, and a ton of how-to guides are going to walk you through all of it. That's theverge.com slash reviews. We've got incredibly good videos, some really engaging writing, and of course, those very useful guides. Hey, y'all, it's the Limited Upside Podcast, back from vacation. I'm Mike Prada, and today we are starting the first of our 30-team NBA preview series where we talk to the folks that know these teams the best, the folks from our team sites uh, at SB Nation, other contributors from around the SB Nation network that follow these teams closely. And we're going to get into this first episode, which is going worse to first, so that's the Brooklyn Nets go up first. Uh, this episode, we've got Christian Winfield, SBNation.com staff writer. Uh, he's been to a lot of Nets games, has really followed the team a lot. He did a great story on Kenny Atkinson recently at Summer League. And we also have Anthony Puccio from Nets Daily, SB Nation's terrific Nets site. Also is around the team so much. Nobody knows these teams better, this team better. Uh, so we're really excited to have them on. We talk about uh, what t- fans are most excited about this year. Very optimistic right now in Brooklyn, despite the team's bad record. Uh, we talk a little bit about um, the offseason, D'Angelo Russell, uh, how that's going to work out. Uh, and we play some fun games at the end that we're going to play on all these shows. Uh, that we want to hear your feedback for as well. So tune into the Brooklyn Nets. Before you do all that, though, of course, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Find us on Limited Upside. Leave us a review, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, We really appreciate the feedback, and we respond to it. So let us know how we're doing, and especially with this team preview series as we continue to go on to all 30 teams leading up to the year. Tell us what you like about this, what you want to hear more of, and we'll try to accommodate you. You can also check us out on SBNation.com, on Twitter at Limited underscore Upside, anywhere else you get your podcasts as well, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. Uh, send us any questions you want for these team previews as well by tweeting at us at Limited underscore Upside. So that's this week's episode. Enjoy it with Christian Winfield and Anthony Puccio here. This is Limited Upside Podcast. back to the limited upside podcast we're back from a one-week break i'm mike prada and we are starting up with the critically acclaimed i guess from last year 30 team previews with our members of the sb nation community uh, our team sites that you love near and dear we're gonna go generally from worst to first with some exceptions worst to first by the way of last year so we're starting with 
the same team we started with last year. Or no, actually not. This They were third last year. The Brooklyn Nets. So on the show today, uh, we got Christian Winfield from SBNation.com, who uh, is a Knicks fan, but is sort of slowly turning to what I think Knicks fans would call the dark side they're, and covering they're, the Nets more. They're winning my heart over a little bit. They definitely are. <laughs> and we also have Anthony Puccio. He's a reporter for NetsDaily.com, our terrific Nets site. He's there at every game. Uh very terrific. I, I could not think of two better people to talk about a team that is not covered a ton nationally, but it's kind of doing some interesting things. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, with Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson in charge now, uh, it seems like everybody's excited to see what they're about to do. Uh, they added some interesting pieces, and, you know, 20 and 62 may be, you know, it, it, it wasn't great, obviously. <laughs> Celtics got the number one pick, but uh, they're making moves in the right direction. It's better than what was last year, so... Be interesting year. I find it funny how optimistic it seems the fan base is, uh, and some of that to me feels a little bit like the uh, benefit of low expectations. There's mm-hmm. no like real pressure to do, be any good. It's sort of the the part where you're the one team that you're trying to procure future assets from other teams. But I'm, I'm curious to ask Anthony first, and also Christian. Like, if you had to describe the mood of the Nets fan base right now in a word, what would that word be? You know, like I think you hit it. Perfectly. The fans are optimistic right now, and I think it has something to do with the low expectations, as you mentioned, because, you know, the first three, four years in Brooklyn, it was kind of like the hype was in Brooklyn, everything, you know, black and white colors, Jay-Z was the team, like, they had a good team going in, Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Brooklyn's backcourt, and, you know, they fell short of expectations. Now, you know, they do this revamp, they bring in Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks, two guys that kind of seem to know what they're doing, they're new at this, but... You know, they have a structured system. They have a plan in place. And I think that alone with the low expectations does kind of bring excitement to fans. You know, something, it, it's different, but it's it's a good thing for, for Nets fans right now. It's the complete opposite of what they were, right? So you have the Nets that brewed to Brooklyn that went with these big sort of plans with these huge moves that didn't really fit with any cohesive plan. And now... Obviously, that blew up in their face, and now like they are so plan oriented mm. that it doesn't even really matter what they do in the court. It's uh, like they're not the same nuts anymore, right? And so I think I find this a lot with with fan bases. It's like when they do the exact opposite of what didn't work, like fans immediately embrace that. They're um, understanding, yeah. It's the same sort of thing. Like this is a comparison that Ben will probably get mad at me for. But <laughs> it's like when Sixers fans have been so embracing the trust the process. It was just so different than the 10, 15 years before them when they were aimless and. You know, not really embracing a rebuild. It's it, it comes. It's reflected a lot more better by the fan base when it's just the opposite of what you did. So yeah, I think um, you know, just piggybacking off what you said, the word I would use is patient. You patient. know, like they understand that this isn't something that's going to change overnight. They understand that we tried to make these big trades, these splashy trades when they first got to Brooklyn. They tried to go get Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, and that blew up in their face. And it cost them, I guess, what was the future then, which is right now. And now they understand. You know, hey, we look at Sixers fans. We see how they built that from nothing to something and trying to do something similar. So Nets fans are patient. They understand. You know, they're still going to games cheering for opposing teams' players, but— they're patient. They know at some point, especially given what they saw out of Kenny and, and Sean this year, they're, they're patiently optimistic, I guess, is the way to... That's two words, Christian. Two. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny with the... You say patience because you don't hear that much in the New York market. You know, there, right. there's, there's no patience for any of the four major sports team, uh, sports leagues. So, you know, the fact that they're rebuilding, they're being patient, it's just, you know, it's rather unorthodox. And the fact that people are on board with it 
you know, it, it's actually very intriguing. Yeah, I think that's just like, you know, there's Brooklyn and there's New York. You know, it's two different things. Brooklyn is a little bit away from the hustle and bustle that is the city, but still got that little edge to you. It's, yeah, that's a good point. Sure. That's, also, that's why we're here. Why we're here. Uh, they also, in some degree, had no choice. <laughs> Let's be real yeah. about that, too. You know, they send away all those draft picks. You can't possibly get good. Any And really, you have to be patient and wait out that, that disastrous trade. Yeah. All right, let's turn our attention to this year. They they go 20-62. and 62. They start fairly decently. Like, they, they play pretty well, relatively speaking, early in the year. Jeremy Lin gets hurt. Mm-hmm. They really fall apart in the middle of the year. And then there was a little bit of optimism as the year closed. So that's the backdrop for how things ended. Although, I still got to say, like, why did they rest their players in that last game? It kind of <sighs> messed up the playoff picture. You could take that one if you want. Yeah. I don't know why they rested I want to hear a defense for this because there are a lot of people mad about that. Of course, yeah. There's there's two sides to it. Uh, you know, people say that Sean Marks wanted to evaluate some of the last guys that were fighting for a spot, you know, like an Archie Goodwin or, you know, even Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, you know, see what Isaiah Whitehead has. But at the same time, a lot of people think maybe it was a little, little spiteful for, you know, what the Miami Heat said about them trying to poach Tyler Johnson. Ooh, I didn't know that that mm. was the conspiracy. Interesting. Right. So a lot of people either. were angry about that. They thought really? the Nets tanked that last game. Maybe a little spite, a little pettiness. But, you know. <laughs> Ooh, I like that now. Now, I was all against this when it happened. I thought it was like a terrible for competition, and I really didn't. I much rather would have seen the Heat in the playoffs and the Bulls. But now there's some spice to this. I didn't realize that it had something to do with Tyler Johnson. It's a rivalry maybe. alert right now. Nets Heat. I'm in. I'm in for that one. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, this restricted free agent stuff is driving people crazy. <laughs> I know. I know for a fact that the Wizards were annoyed about the Otto Porter offer sheet. Well, they mm. took as much time as they possibly and they, could. Yeah, and they, they basically like spited them back. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. I know that that's something that's going on. So let's talk about the summer, right? So they make a lot of changes. The big the big move they make uh, happens right before the draft. They trade Brook Lopez, their kind of franchise sort of touch point player. Some of the team's leading franchise scorer, which yeah. I did not realize. Mm-hmm. Until there aren't many players that play there for nine years. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that'll <definitely> do it. <laughs> so they trade him in the number 27 pick to get D'Angelo Russell with the cost of taking on Timo Mozgov's contract, which the Nets are certainly open to doing because nobody's taking their money really anyway at this point. Mm-hmm. And so they're fine with taking on the salary, and they get an asset for it. And D'Angelo Russell, we used to call this bring out your dead uh, on Wizards fandom when we used to do this in 2011. That was kind of the strategy all along. They also get Damari Carroll, mm-hmm. uh, and they get a first-round pick and a second-round pick with him. Right. Uh, they recently made a big a trade to get the guy, one of those restricted free agents that we talked about uh, before, Alan Crabb, who they mm-hmm. almost signed. They now get him for the price of Andrew Nicholson. I thought that was amazing. That was beautiful in my eyes, because they were going to give him that money anyway, and then they got saddled with Andrew Nicholson's contract, which I thought was awful. So they essentially shedded a contract to, to get a guy that they wanted. And you take away a year. Yeah, you take one year off that four-year deal. So yeah, yeah. And of course, there there was a winner's curse, I guess, with Alan Crabb, where you you end up with Alan Crabb in the end in that big <laughs> deal. But it's less of a winner's curse, and you know he'll play a little bit better there. So they make that move. They uh, they draft Jared Allen out of Texas. Uh, they do a few other things. There's still possibly a move left, but the big move, of course, they make is Russell. And Christian, you were at Russell's introductory press conference. Uh, obviously, I guess you both were there. Yeah. So, obviously, he falls out of favor in L.A. He is not going to be a part of the Lonzo Ball um, kind of combination. Magic Johnson kind of kicks him some dirt on the way out by saying, I needed a leader, and implying that Russell was not. Uh, the Nets are looking at it, I imagine, as getting, hey, a 21-year-old form number two pick. So, 
Where's uh Where's Russell's mindset? I think one thing you uh, mentioned when we covered this was that they the Nets feel like they got a lottery pick they never back <clears throat> that they didn't have. You know, yeah. how, how are they thinking about this? Well, when I spoke to Kenny at, at Las Vegas Summer he said, you know, this is really a, a good chance for, for D'Angelo to get a second chance. You know, because obviously the way things ended, the way things really started with him in in, in L.A., none of that was really like what you would expect out of a, a top three pick. And nothing. He, didn't, he really didn't live up to what people thought he had. And then the way out when Magic Johnson questioned his leadership, you know, just I thought that the Nets getting him. I, th- I think it's a perfect fit, honestly. You got a guy who's looking for a new start. You got a team in Brooklyn that's budding that's on the way up. And just putting him next to a guy like Jeremy Lin who can kind of coach him and, and show him how everything works. I think it's a really good move. Um, obviously, there's a, a maturation process that has to happen. But, you know, I think his, his game is there. You know, we see flashes of what he can do. Um, he's going to have to work on a few things here and there, especially defense. They said that's the first thing that they, they asked him about. But, you know, I, I think that... If if everything comes together with him, he can be someone that they build on for the for the next five, maybe ten years. Who knows? Now to pick you back off of that, um, you know the Nets tried so hard to get a superstar, superstar in Brooklyn, face of the franchise, mm. and the way they feel is almost like, you know, it's he's not there obviously and far from it, but at least he is a project. He's twenty one years old. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that they can develop into maybe a star one day. So. You know, I know Kenny Atkinson is enamored by him. I know Sean Marks is enamored by him. And he's just, he's happy to be in Brooklyn. Um, you know, you talk about a second chance for somebody that's 21 years old. It sounds crazy, but he didn't exactly have his teammates back in Los Angeles, his coaches back. So he comes to a place like Brooklyn, and he even said, you know, mm-hmm. everyone from the custodian up welcomed me in when I came here. So that speaks for the culture that they are trying to build. And just the fact that he has a mentor in Atkinson, a mentor and Sean Marks and people that just have his back in general, a young team like the Nets, I think that'll be good for him. Yeah, and also I think just in terms of D'Angelo, his personality, you know, he's going to have an impact on the younger kids, you know, because just just the way he carries himself, just the way how he dresses, right. his hair, his glasses, you know. Well, that was part of the right. problem in L.A., I think, yeah, that people well, yeah. saw, is that he's just, you hear a lot of stuff about him, and he's just not very mature, mm. uh, that it goes beyond sort of obviously the Snapchat Nick Young issue, uh, they just—he doesn't really inspire. A lot. He's just like a—he—he—you he, hear he's kind of acts like a teenager mm. in a twenty-one-year-old's body, and which is how many of us didn't act like we were I, nineteen at twenty-one? Yeah, yeah like, I mean, it's—it's—it's it's it's an interesting kind of criticism, and I don't have a great handle on where that is. Uh, in a sense, it's a lottery ticket for the Nets. Mm. You know, they can take on the salary and see. I mean, the question I wonder about is. I mean, how good do Nets fans actually think he is? You know, I, we don't have a really good idea of how good a player he is. I think there are some times where he's shown, like, flashes of brilliance, but they've been really, to me, they've been kind of few and far between, and it's been a lot of, like, oh, he had a really great shooting night. Like, I haven't seen the burst I expected. I haven't seen some of the vision I've expected. Like, was that all L.A.? Or was there something that, because was there something that L.A., you know, saw that, you know, and they gave up on him soon? Like, what what exactly is the role that Nets fans want him to play? Like, where do we see, like, how likely is it that he becomes the kind of franchise player that the Nets are talking about? Well, against the Nets, he dropped 40 and then 38 in the two <laughs> oh, games. Oh, well, see, that, that, that always him. happens. Yeah, so. When you play well against a team, that that's the Doc Rivers special right there. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, fans, they see him, at least in person, at Barclays Center, and it's like, geez, you know. This guy is unbelievable. You know, he he pulled out the ice in my veins against the Nets in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, he pulled that whole thing. And uh, other than the highlights, you know, how can you judge him? Because we're out here on the East Coast. It's hard to really 
understand how far his game is. Uh, a lot of fans are disputing whether he'll play the one or Jeremy Lin will play the one. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting thing, too, because that was near the end of his Lakers tenure. He got moved a little bit off the ball, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. how much he loved it. But the he, Nets are talking about, yeah, we want Jeremy and him to play together. We want multiple playmakers. I mean, if you just look at their roster, they have a lot of guards. Yeah. And yet Russell's obviously going to play. Yeah. So how yeah. is that going to work? Well, he said himself, you know, he loves playing off the ball. He kind of enjoys playmaking off the ball, like getting the ball, taking a drill, making a move, as opposed to bringing the ball up himself and initiating the offense. And he did that a lot. He said he did that a lot with Kobe his first year. We had to play off the ball because Kobe had the ball so damn much. <laughs> he kind of had no choice there. <laughs> yeah, and then he did that a lot his second year, too, he said, towards the end. So if him and Jeremy Lin are kind of splitting those duties, and then obviously when Lin is on the bench, he'll be in as the playmaker or what have you. Um, I think I think it'll work out. And I think just to follow up on your last question, I think Nets are all, the Nets fans are also like enamored by what his potential is. We know what he is right now, which is a prospect. He's a project, but what are they going to mold him into? And I guess that's something that they're looking at as well. What do you, uh, what a Nets fan, like what's a good season for D'Angelo Russell in both your eyes and in fans' eyes? Um, what does he have to do? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Are you talking about like stats-wise? Like what is, what is his box uh, you know, score need to I, look I'm like? I'm curious what his stats are, but also like what kinds of things do you want to see from him where you say like, okay, this trade really did yield a, the Nets a player that we can build around for the next for his next contract. I, I want to see more of the players that he made in college. You know, I want to see that D'Angelo Russell. I want to see a guy who's going to average, you know, he doesn't even have to have average a double-double. Maybe give me 15, 5, and 5, you know, and give me, you know, maybe not five rebounds. Maybe he won't do that. But give me 15 points, six assists, you know, effort on defense, and a couple flashy plays at Barclays every night. You know, that's what they want. The, the fans want something they can get behind. At least that's in my opinion. I don't know what Pooch says. I think that plus the fact that he needs to step up as a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, you know, this team, the age, the average of the age of this team is 25 years old. And, you know, he's only 21, but they see him as face of the future. And if that's the case, then he needs to step up and be a leader. Exactly what Magic Johnson said he wasn't. You know, so even uh, answering back to the question before, uh, him playing off the ball isn't the worst thing in the world either because in the motion offense, the ball handler, you know, you're not getting a lot of pick and rolls. It's more so the ball is moving so much on the on the perimeter that he'll probably have a better chance to create if he is out on the perimeter. So, yeah, I think I think if he takes a little bit of a leap in terms of his leadership, you know, seeing things not so much even on the court but off the court, how his attitude changes. Uh, somebody on the inside told me they want to see how he reacts when times are tough. You know, yeah. when things aren't going their way for a young team. And they, and they ha- will not go their way a lot this year. <laughs> yeah, of course. So of that's course. a really important thing, I think, that he has to focus yes. on. But things didn't necessarily go his way in L.A. either. You could argue nothing went and, his and way. And perhaps that was part of the problem is yeah. that he didn't handle that well. So I think so, it's a germane thing to think about. It is true. But, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly a great opportunity. Like, you, if you're the Nets, you don't care that you take on the salary of Moskov. And they did that again with DeMar Carroll, obviously. Mm-hmm. Carroll has the veteran experience, and he's played with Atkinson. Uh, Alan Crabb is another example. Um, is there any other move that they've made that you think is underappreciated in any past, or is in terms of impact, not necessarily in terms of whether it was good or not, but in terms of something that will actually make a difference this year as opposed to last year that yeah. they've done? Um, I thought you know another end of another side to the Mozgov coin is he's a champion. You know he knows what it takes to get there. So I think just having that experience, having that you know just having yeah, just being there and having played on winning teams and. Being a, he was really a part of that team, you know, and just knowing what it takes to win and knowing, having played for one, or not for, but with one of the best players, I guess you could say he played for LeBron, but having played with LeBron, you know, just knowing what it takes to win, 
I think that's something that the Nets need. And they're also getting a guy who's going to compete. You know, he's going to run around. He's going to at least try to block shots. He's going to set <laughs> hard try, screens. He will try to block shots. Yeah, he'll probably get dunked on, but he's going to set hard screens. He's going to, you know, him and D'Angelo Russell will have some type of chemistry. So that'll help as well. What about you? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think Mozgov is somebody that people are uh, obviously sleeping on in terms of the fact that his, his contract is so high that they forget. You know, he... he and in a lineup like the Nets, where he will be getting minutes, he probably will be starting at the five. Mm-hmm. You know, the ball's not going to be in his hands a lot, but he's going to have the opportunity to do the little things, rebound, get those garbage points, maybe, you know, even if it's 10 points a game, six, seven rebounds. And in an Atkinson system, he doesn't need the ball a lot. You know, the ball is, it's, it's, it, the offense is meant for shooters. So yeah. he could just do those little things, fly under the radar, forget the contract, and just play ball. Yeah. We do have to talk about the one net that left that was been there a long time, Brooke Lopez. Mm. Obviously, uh, he's been involved in so many trade rumors over the years. <laughs> and they finally and pulled they the finally trigger pulled the trigger. we least expected to. <laughs> and when, when you least expected, and to the team, frankly, that I think was least expected as well, I think the thought was, oh, let's trade him to a team that's good. Well, he's from there, right? He's from L.A., no? Yeah. That's yeah, he's from L.A. And he went to Stanford, so yep. I guess it's kind Stanford of— is Northern California. Uh, I think well, he's going to the same state. Same state. That's like saying like <laughs> here and uh, Boston are the same state. Oh no, that's it's probably worse. It's that, like yeah, here, that's... like in Toronto. <laughs> oh god, uh, two different things. <laughs> same state, but yeah. So he's he's gone, and uh, just uh, kind of curious of the reflections. Like, a, what he's a guy that was sort of always there, but never was like he made an impact. Obviously, but he was never like kind of in the national sense, like, the guy, but yet he had this enduring staying power. Like, is there anything that they're really going to miss with him not being there anymore? Um, I mean, I guess having a go-to guy. You know what I'm saying? When you look at their roster now, it's like, man, if we really need a bucket, who are we going to? Jeremy Lin? We're going to D'Angelo Russell? They really don't have that type of guy. Even that time when he hit the game winner, I forgot who they were playing. Like, they gave it to him, took a step, one-leg shot. Yeah, for, it was his first ever, ever right? Yeah, first it was just like no one else is going to make that play. I don't think they have anyone else. Who are they going to do? Give it to Alan Crabb now on the wing, and he's going to pull up for three. Like, well, Russell, hey, Russell with the ice in his veins. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's still got to prove that. But I think they're losing that type of guy, guy that you can give the ball to no matter what. Um yeah, I don't, what else What else do you have? I don't know. You, you lose a loyal player like him, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that's been through hell and back, and I've said that several times. But, um, you know, I think if this culture thing, if this Nets plan does work out in the long term, I think Brooke Lopez will be appreciated a lot more for embracing the culture, especially during a tough time where he is kind of in the prime of his career. He's exiting it soon. He's, he's you know, in his low 30s. So, if it does work out for him being the class act that he was while he was in Brooklyn, being being that veteran leader for the younger guys, mm-hmm. and kind of just setting the tempo, setting the tone for what this organization wants to be about going forward, I think people will appreciate him more. But, you know, obviously that's to, to tell in the future. Shaving. It's something that guys have to do unless they want to grow out a beard. It's something that I always dread doing because it's not much fun. And I always seem to cut myself when I'm doing it incorrectly with the store brand razors. They're super expensive. But there is a better solution that I recently tried out uh, that I really enjoyed. The Dollar Shave Club. 
Here's why you want to get involved with the Dollar Shave Club. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. You order online, you pick up the razors, and they come right to you. It's a great life hack and a no-brainer choice. You don't have to go to the store to get either a cheap disposable razor or those super expensive ones. You don't need any gimmicky shave tech. And you can get this exclusive razor with the Dr. Carver Shave Butter. And let me tell you, having used this overseas in Iceland and on my vacation, this stuff feels great on your skin. It just gently glides. It gives such a smooth shave. And I at first didn't really think it was shaving cream. And then I use it and I don't think I'm ever going back. So the Dr. Carver Shave Butter is a transparent for a more precise shave. It helps prevent ingrown hairs and it fights razor bumps. Here's how you can join the Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of the Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, all the raises are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only five bucks. In your first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges and a tube of their shave butter. And after the first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. Cancel anytime you like. But you can only get this offer at dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. All right, so let's get to a few quicker hitters. Let's start with this basic question for both of you, and I want to kind of hear what are fans most excited about with watching this team and what are fans most nervous about as far as, you know, obviously wins and losses probably don't matter too much this year for Nets fans, but as far as the future goes, like what would you say are fans most excited about and most nervous about with this team this organization right now? Um, I would say at least for, I'm I'm sure Pooch has interaction with more Nets fans than I do, but... A lot of Nets fans I talk to, they they want to see the offense. You know, the thing about the Nets last year is they have a really good offense. They didn't have the players that can make shots. You know, they led, I think they were top three, top four in three-pointers attempted, bottom four in three-point percentage. Now they've got Damari Cowher, Allen Crabb, got another guy, D'Angelo Russell, who can shoot some threes. You know, it's like, can they start, you know, they can execute. Can they capitalize on that execution? So I think, how do these new players fit into the scheme? Another thing that, that kind of fell under is that Demari Carroll played for Kenny Atkinson in, in Atlanta? How does that translate? Is he going to have another bounce back year? Can they start him? Can they put him at the four potentially? Maybe who knows? And I guess what do Karis Levert and RHJ Ronnie Hollis Jefferson turn into? Because those are two guys that Kenny said could potentially be pillars for the future, but they haven't really distinguished themselves as such yet. So just those two things, I think, for at least for me. For sure, I think Christian makes a good point, and you know, even fans are excited to see how this offense works with Jeremy Lin in it. Mm-hmm. You know, That's we only true. saw him for so much mm-hmm. last year. Yes, and when he did, they were they, a better team. Yeah, they were you closer know. to five hundred, right? Well, yes, very close. Some, yeah, I so, mean, they, early season, late season can be a little fluky, but they're certainly a better team mm-hmm. with him in the game, right? So you incorporate him into the offense, and you see how guys are better with him there. So I think people want to see how that works. Um, obviously, like uh, Christian just said, you know how the young guys make that leap, that Karis LeVert, that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who is in his third year now. It's mm-hmm. time to you know see what his role on, is on this team. He's also the last person from the Billy King era on this yeah. team. Yeah, so yeah. Sean Marks, I think, is keeping a close eye on him. His shot is obviously a problem, but you know, can he just do those little uh, you know gritty things down low that they need? Uh, as for you know what fans are nervous about, 
<laughs> I know I can speak for Jeremy Lin fans when they say they don't want him to be traded. Mm. <laughs> they want D'Angelo Russell at the one. But uh, I think everybody is worried about giving Boston that you know top three pick again. Mm. Yeah. And that goes without saying. Which they can't do anything about, unfortunately, other than play well. You know, yeah. It's sunk cost. Um, speaking of Ronda Hollis, Jefferson, Kersler, we're going to play a little game uh, with both of you guys, and we're going to play this with a lot of our team previews. We're going to play a version of uh, Fuck, Mary Kill, <laughs> except it's going to be a basketball version. We're calling it Max Start and Trade or Ooh. Cut. So in other words, who's which one player is the player that you want? You think is like this is going to be a franchise pillar? He's mm. the Max. Who's the player that you know, hey, we want to give him more chances to see like what he could be, but we don't really know yet. Mm-hmm. That's the start. And who's the one player that uh, is not going to be a part of the future uh, if you had to choose. And so we're going to go with these three players. Uh, we're going to go Max, Start, Trade, mm-hmm. Karis LeVert, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and I'm going to group these two guys together, uh, and you just have to pick one of the two. Okay. Isaiah Whitehead or Sean Kilpatrick. Uh, which uh, one would you trade? Which oh, one would you easy. max? Okay. And which one would you start? I think I know where I'm... You want to go first? You want me to go first? You know where I stand. I'm, I'll let yeah. you go. I'm... Uh, <laughs> I would if I had to max one of those two guys in terms of Rondé or Karras, I would go Karras. Okay, um, Max Karras, Levert, Max Karras. You know, I, I he got hurt in college and he had to rebound back from that. I was talking to Brooke Lopez last year and he said that Karras has one of the strongest work ethics he's ever seen. Just his process of rebuilding or rebounding from that injury and what he had, what it took for him to get back. Um, I'm going with what Brooke Lopez said on that one and just what I've seen with him. When he has the ball in his hands, you know, there was a point, I, I forget who they played, but Kenny wanted Karras to have the ball in his hands down the stretch, and he didn't get the ball, and they lost. And he was like, yeah, if I, I wanted him to get the ball, but it didn't work out that way. I would like to see him. You know, I just think that he has a, there's a lot of different aspects to his game. He's versatile, and there's room to improve. And if he improves on all those different aspects, he can be a really, really good player. Maybe not a max player, but out of all the guys that we labeled, yeah. that would be the one. Metaphorical max. Yeah, metaphorical. Like, a, a Nets max. The guy, the guy that you're willing to give a pretty good second contract to mm, yeah, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, okay, so he's your max. Is he also your max guy? Yes. Okay. No who's doubt. uh who's the wave pun? The wait wait the wave. Yeah, who's the one that get who's the uh trade wave don't uh, resign, I, get rid of I'm, I'm getting rid of Sean Kilpatrick, unfortunately. I, I think that And Isaiah Whitehead? Nah, I would I would wasn't there one that was extend or something like that? There's Max trade and yeah, what was the other but one? But there's also Ronda Hellas Jefferson. Oh, I thought you said we pick one of Rondé. Basically, or the idea is oh. you have to, I kind of cheated on that one a little bit because okay. I wasn't sure which one of the two you guys like more. Do you like Whitehead or Kilpatrick more? Whitehead for sure. I like Whitehead. Okay, yeah. so let's yeah. just make it Whitehead then. Yeah, Whitehead. I, I think he's just he's tough, man. He's really tough. He, he and he wants it too. And there's nothing against Kilpatrick, but I just think his his game is one facet. He comes in, he's a scorer. Okay. You know, okay. And, so is but having said that, you've picked your max. Players, yeah. Who's uh, who's the one that hey, I want to see a little more of? Start, and who's the one that I'm going to get rid of? Oh, between Rondé and, and Kilpatrick. Between Rondé and Whitehead. Oh, so I have to, we have to pick one of those three. Yeah, oh. you, you have to. Yeah, it's it's like again, just like the game. Um, I probably obviously everybody would love to max all three. That's yeah, the whole point. I, I you probably, have to see, you I get mean, to pick them. I, I probably trade. Start. I probably <laughs> trade Rondé just because I know I can get more for him than I can okay. for Whitehead, and I think I keep Whitehead around. He's also a Brooklyn guy, I believe. So shout out to Isaiah Whitehead. In terms of value, yeah, I would say you trade Rondé because he does have more. But um, I think I start Rondé and 
trade Isaiah and break, break the Brooklyn Knights arms. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> All right, so just to review, uh, we both have you both have Max Kerslevert, mm-hmm. and then you guys disagree. One of you, Christian, you say trade Rondé Hollis Jefferson mm-hmm. or don't keep him. Yeah, and kind of elevate and just let's see a little more of Isaiah Whitehead. Mm. As Anthony, you'd have it the opposite. You would elevate and see a little more of Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Uh, and you would trade or waive Isaiah Whitehead. Yes, with an asterisk, though, because, you know, Rondé does have more trade value. So if you can he get does. something good back, obviously, okay. you know, <laughs> yeah. you do it. All right. Uh, let's ask, uh, we're going to get to some fan questions, uh, but first a couple other fun ones I want to ask. This is one I think is really germane to the Nets right now. Okay. You're advising a Nets fan uh, who has okay. enough money to purchase one player's jersey. Oh. On the current team, and you have to tell you have to advise them for whatever reason. Um, who is the one player that you think a Nets fan's jer- should buy their jersey? Who is uh, the one out of guy? anyone? Out of anyone on the current team uh, right are now? Are we including D'Angelo Russell? Or yes. Is that yeah. A- I mean, you have to oh. think of it too. Of course, like, do you want to get the cult hero? Do you want to get the mm. one that's going to be around for the longest? You know, what is the best buy of any of the for any fan of jerseys on this team? <sighs> I'm deferring to Pooch on that one first. Who do you got? Punt. If you're if you're a true Nets fan, I think you're going Karis Levert. Karis because, Levert, because okay. he isn't yeah. that. Like you said, he isn't that hero. You know, he's kind of he's he's that net from day one. He's that guy that they started developing from day one. Mm-hmm. They took the chance on him. The mocks had him a lot higher. They chose him lower, and you know, they obviously a lot of, see a lot of potential in him. And I think in terms of long term, he's going to be here for a long time. Yeah, I, I would piggyback that. I would second that, but just in just in the spirit of having a different opinion, I'll go Jeremy Lin. Um, just because I tend to think his days in Brooklyn are numbered. I don't know if he's going to be here throughout the rest of his contract, and that's a guy who's been here through thick and thin at least for you know how many years has he been in one, one, <laughs> two year. Yeah, this is his first year. Yeah, yeah first year. He's it seems one. like forever, man. What am I talking about? Anyway, I, I would go with Jeremy Lin just because like. The way they played this year with him, at least, felt like they were a team that was competing. Without him, they were still competing, but at a lower level. Um, I would go then. Now, do you say that thinking that he might be around? No, no, I, I, I say that thinking that he's about to get the boot soon. So it's, like a no- it's almost boot. like a novelty. Yeah, it's like, hey, I got this Lynn jersey. You don't. Interesting. It's not on sale <laughs> okay. anymore. Can't get it on eBay. Interesting. Maybe find it on Etsy. All right, so we're curious what other Nets fans would say to that question because I think it's a really interesting one. Uh, it helps... You know, as a fan, who do you want to show off and wear more most on this? Is there a, is there a Sean Marks Kenny Atkinson jersey? <laughs> that's the one that I would go with. Wear the, the most. coach jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's really what the franchise is right now. Those yeah. are the guys. Yeah. Um, all right, this is another fun one that we ask a lot of our people. We're going to ask a lot. Um, who is you guys are all? I guess one of you is a fan. The other one is a fake fan that is becoming a fan <laughs> this year. Uh, who is on your all? Who would be on your all time Nets banana boat? So we're the three people that you, not necessarily the three best Nets of in NBA his, in their history, but sort of the three people that you just liked a lot and you would love to hang out with on your banana boat. Who is on your Nets banana boat? That's easy, Mikhail Prokhorov. Mikhail Prokhorov. <laughs> Mikhail Prokhorov. <laughs> All right, let's say players. <laughs> I was going. I was going Billy King Prokhorov. All right, uh, players. Marks, so so I players. players. If I can't say Prokhorov, then I would have to say Kenya Martin. Kenya Martin. Um, Listen, Andre Blatch is definitely an interesting fellow with <laughs> an interesting past. So maybe <laughs> Blatch he definitely is. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking for someone on the team right now. You know, they're That's all a tough such high character guys. And I don't know. It's almost like 
You don't want to go way back in the day, like you know, like a Buck I, Williams I or say some kid or Richard back, Jefferson. I was going. Mm. I, I got to go, Doctor J. Just, Dr. just to J. pick yeah. his mind and have lunch with him. You know, sit down and have a drink. I want to see what he's got to say <laughs> and his stories because he's the only net with a championship. Well, you know, whoever yeah, else was on that was team, close. but he was the face of the New York Nets at the time. Yeah. Right, who are you just on? Who are you just on your three um, I was going Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson. Um, two is Karis LeVert, just because. Turns out we have friends in common. Like there are some of my friends that used to hang out oh. with him before he blew up. So I was like, all right, well, Kara seems cool. And then three, uh, Dr. J sounds nice. I might go the the Jason Kidd Richard Jefferson combo just because that was man. Those are those are the best days we've had in a while, yeah. right? Oh yeah, well VC too. Yeah, v- oh, that's called VC's on the yeah. Might have to go Vince Carter. I would want present day Richard Jefferson though, not back Richard <laughs> Jefferson back yeah. then. I feel like he's become a lot more interesting now. In the in the, the end That's of his career. That's a fair point. I guess we have to figure out like what year <laughs> of this person you're I'd like, I'd like <laughs> present day Richard Jefferson, <laughs> present day Jason Kidd, and and present day Karis. Don't Lambert. tell that okay. to Nets fans. They're gonna, they're gonna be rioting at you. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Jersey present fans. day Jason Kidd might be a conflicting one. Oh, oh yeah. man. Oh yeah. Uh, that'd be difficult. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to uh, some questions that you guys asked on Twitter, some of which we have answered. Um, I found this to be an interesting one from Je- our longtime friend, Jacobo Pellegrini. Okay. Uh, you can, by the way, anyone can always tweet at us a question about any of these teams that we'll get to uh, over the course of this 30-team preview series leading up to the season at limited underscore upside. Anyway, as what Jacobo, Jacobo asks, do you think D'Angelo Russell is a better prospect than – either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, who obviously were the players that the Nets would have been able to select mm. had they kept their draft pick? Hmm. Well, the Nets probably would have been able to select Markel Fultz this year, right? Because they traded that Yeah, pick. that's true. Okay, yeah. but the players, the players that the Celtics okay, Tatum, Tatum took with their or, picks. Um, well, for me, I think I, I made this, I raised this point to you earlier. If Jason Tatum's, I guess... What's what's the opposite of ceiling? Basement, his basement, floor. whatever his floor. Floor, obviously. If his floor <laughs> is uh, is Tobias Harris and he doesn't leave that floor, I would go with uh, D'Angelo Russell in that one, just because I think that you know, no no slight against Tobias Harris, but I think that D'Angelo Russell has the potential to be a better player than that. Um, Jalen Brown, I think, is really really good, and I think he has the potential to be a lot better. So maybe not, but probably Jalen, probably uh, Jason Tatum. If that's it, we, obviously he's probably going to be better than what his floor is, but we'll see. I'm judge, judging mostly on uh, summer league, and Jason Tatum looked something, yeah. something special. You know, he did. He, mm-hmm. he, he looked did. like the best player in summer league, and I, I will say that you know with much confidence. But at the same time, short term, I think D'Angelo Russell is somebody that uh, you know, with the opportunity he has with the Nets, he's going to get a lot of time. He's going to get a lot of touches. He might seem like the better prospect in the next couple of years, but Tatum, you know, I, I think. I really think, uh, as MJ would say, the sky is the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) The ceiling is the roof. (laughs) The ceiling is the roof, right. But the sky is the ceiling as well. That's like your own version of the MJ phrase. I think I'm going to use that one from now on. (laughs) The sky is the ceiling. ceiling. That's pretty good. All right. uh, The floor is the basement. Uh, The floor is the basement. Yeah, there we go. Um, Let's see. uh, At uh, yo underscore B. I believe that's his username. Uh, we talked a little bit about this, but I think we can uh, talk a little bit more about it. Like, how legitimate do you think the impact of the Lynn Russell combination can be, considering that without Lopez, they probably have to provide most of the offense? I think this offense is so guard heavy that, you know, 
you do lose a big piece in Lopez, and Christian said it before, you know, who's that scoring option that you go to, your number one option, but at the same time, since it's so motion-heavy, pace and space, mm-hmm. spread the floor, mm-hmm. I think that Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo Russell will have actually more of an opportunity to thrive than Brooke did, and then, like, the other big men do, so... I think them two just being on the floor together, they're going to make one another so much better. I think it's actually a really interesting combo if you think of Jeremy Lin and Kemba Walker back in Charlotte. That's mm-hmm. true. They did play a lot together. Yes. They didn't start, obviously, but they did play. They finished right. a lot of games. In the, in the yeah. playoffs, they played very well together. They did yes. get more time. Um, Kenny Atkinson used, and he said he didn't like to do it, but he used C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. So mm-hmm. maybe like a, a poor man's version of that. So I think just them two playing together, they'll make one another better and they'll make everybody else on the floor better. It's just a matter of whether mm-hmm. the other okay. guys hit the shots. Yeah, and All I right. think also without Lopez, you know, they are losing a go-to guy, but they're also losing a guy who touches the ball and holds on to it. You know, Moscow isn't a guy that, that needs the ball to be effective, whereas you can argue Brooke Lopez on offense his effectiveness comes when he touches the ball, unless he's setting the screen and rolling. But I think he did a little better this year, extending his range as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 for but sure. But he, sure. he slows up that 24-second mm-hmm. clock. He definitely and does. He does, the yeah. Ball just kind of they said the same stops. thing about Carmelo, and I don't want to make that type of comparison, but in terms of guys who touch the ball and they have adhesive glue on their hands, then it's like it kind of is like that a little I, bit. And I don't, like I don't know who, who that comparison is less flattering to. I don't know like who's supposed to be offended by that okay we've gotten a couple questions about the bigger picture here that I think we want to I want to hit one came from at Epi Ben who's Ben Epstein who slacked me this question (laughs) Uh, also from TM Warning a long time listener also from GNYR a lot of talk about Marks and Atkinson and oh they all ask the same question it's similar I'm going to group them together okay Um, so I think the big question here is like in in a few years and Ben the way Ben put it in five years like where is this team you know how do you judge how well Marks and Atkinson have actually done to this point and uh what is at what is the future how much brighter is it actually than it was before those guys took over here's the the comparison i make or that i like to think of in five years the nets will be something like what the grizzlies are they were compete they're in the playoffs every year you don't want to see them in the playoffs but they aren't a championship team just yet or they might never be but they will give these championship caliber teams Havoc. They'll give them hell in the playoffs because no one wants to run into them because they're competing at the defensive end because they've got guys who can switch and who are playing. Well, they were a pretty bad defense last year. Who, the Nets? Yeah. Well, I mean, they got better. In the second half of the season, they were eighth. They did did get better. That is true. So I think that— They're also small. Yeah, they are small at the one and the two, but probably not for long. Um, I I think they'll be—in five years, they'll be something like the East Memphis. Okay. You know, you think about Kenny Atkinson and how he could be successful. His job when he came in here was to develop guys. Mm. Sean Marks gave him those young guys. Now it's time to see in three, two, five years if they don't give up on any of those young young assets, which I'm sure one or two will be, you know, a chip somewhere. I think for Kenny Atkinson, it's about how he develops these guys, and that's that's really what people are going to be looking at, you know. Can he can he make can he get the most out of these guys? Can he get them to work hard and buy into the culture and the system? And from there on, it's it's more about can this team just get back to respectability? Because when Sean Marks and and Kenny took over, um, you know this team was in a so-called re, uh, the bridge year with Lionel Hollins and Billy King there. So yeah. it was like Billy King kept saying bridge year, bridge year. You know, wait until next year and we'll. Uh, We'll make some moves. We'll spend some money. And it was, again, that same kind of quick get-good strategy, almost impulsive move kind of strategy, just get a superstar, where now it's, it's like Christian said earlier, patience. And, you know, 
it's it's hard to measure how what's a good and bad thing because the hand they were dealt was just so yeah. crappy. You know, they were dealt a very uh, well. They dealt themselves a hand. Yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm envisioning the them people like before. Had, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're saying. Oh, in terms of Marks and Atkinson, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So I think just for Marks and Atkinson, within the next three to five years, just getting back to respectability. You know, they get their pick back in 2019. So you know, there's none of that. Uh, that Boston draft pick hanging over their no, heads. There's free. none of that. It's just they're free. Mm-hmm. Marks has a good eye for talent. So I think they just have to get back to respectability, try and somehow con- contend for an eighth seed this year so that Boston doesn't get another top right, three pick. Yeah. You know? and, and I think also equal to that is, you know, D'Angelo Russell has a lot riding on this too. And I think eligible for, sure. for an extension next year. Yeah, exactly. I think the way he plays can also dictate the Nets' future because if he kind of dispels the stigma that was that was floating over him guys might want to start playing with him you know and maybe free agents that wouldn't that otherwise would not have come to Brooklyn might say hey I want to play with D'Angelo Russell I want ice in my veins too you know so you don't we never know so I, I think he has a lot riding as well they look like a, a they look and sound like the Nets that nobody has ever heard of mm. you know and you say well, this whole thing about D'Angelo Russell and guys being hungry and that they're happy to be here. You know, when can you ever say that about the New Jersey Nets or the Brooklyn Nets? You know, mm. that's true. There is a good culture they're building. There's also a lot of playing time and low expectations now, mm-hmm. um, which I think will, as you get it beyond, like those sorts of pressures start to creep in. In your mind, this is a lot of time to project starting lineup in 2020. Twenty twenty. Yeah, because Yikes. so we're basically saying like so this year, obviously they don't get their draft pick. Again, so this is kind of like another year where they just kind of have to throw pieces at what they can get, you know, try to play a volume game. Like a lot of guys, Whitehead, Levert, RHJ, uh, Jared Allen, um, they got uh, a draft pick from Toronto. They're just sort of seeing like if a couple of these guys are, are part of the future. 2019 is the first year they obviously have to pick, so it probably behooves them to be bad in 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think 2019, 2020 would be the year you'd start to want to see more progress. So what, what, uh, in some terms, like what is the starting lineup you think you would want to see in 2020? I would say That's D'Angelo tough. Russell at the point guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have uh, either Karis LeVert or uh, Alan Crabb, two and three right there. Uh, it doesn't matter. They're both the wings. Mm-hmm. Um I think you see Zion Williamson. <laughs> Tank for Zion is what that's daily spread. Yeah, around. let's do that. You heard it here first. Let's get that. And, uh, I would love that. Personally. It's too bad because the 2018 draft is loaded and the yeah. Nets are going to miss out on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, Jared Allen at the five. I think by then he'll be <laughs> His ready wingspan is ridiculous, He's man. We haven't, even, we haven't had a chance to see him either. He had a hip, right? He had a hip injury yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in summer league. He's going to be a shot blocker for sure. And then we don't know what he can. I, at least I don't know what he can do on offense. So we'll see. What do you think about that starting lineup? Is that something you would uh, you'd be cool with? I would want. I would want a like a league two. I don't know who we who. I don't think it would be Alan Crabb or Karis Levert at the two. I would like to see someone with a name, you know. But like a veteran, that, player, yeah, a veteran, like guy. an established player in free yeah, agency, yeah, yeah, like. If if I had to put like maybe you put Karis at the two if we had Otto Porter at the three that would be right. amazing. Right. Right. <laughs> right. That yeah. one's not happening. But no, I, mean, I think but I know what you're getting. Well, yeah. Basically, wait a, wait like a, a comp- like, what's that? <laughs> wait a year like they did with Alan Curry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like kind of the uh, non-wash version of Damari Carroll. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Damari. So, so like Kawhi. <laughs> let's go. Let's get Kawhi. In here. Let's get Kawhi. Yeah. In you know, like a good veteran three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone that is kind of in his prime. Uh, I. I 
don't know the name, but someone that you could realistically sign in free agency. Now I don't know exactly what the yeah. cap situation is. I think they're probably capped out now. Uh, a little. They have they have five point five million this upcoming off season, and that's not include. Well, this is right now after Jeremy Lin next year. He right. makes his decision, mm-hmm. and a couple other guys are off the books. But by twenty twenty, they should have enough money to sign. A max guy. Uh, yeah. Well, they also have, of course, Russell's upcoming deal and uh, yeah, Hollis right, Jefferson. Right. And these but then Moscow will come up. off the books and Lynn will come off the books. Right. So I guess all that stuff. Right. Will. So, but I, I think I agree. They need, they, they need like a good veteran that they can sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be an interesting challenge because, you know, to build a culture, you need guys that can kind of help transmit the way. Yeah. Uh, so, I thought JJ Reddick would have been a good get if they yeah. got him, but for that money, maybe he'll come next year. They have Maybe. a house in Brooklyn. Yeah, he, did. he does. Yeah, his wife wants to be there. I, didn't he say that? Like, yeah, his wife wanted to go to Brooklyn, but he didn't. Yeah, and I think like, that yeah. was like sort of family the thing. only plays ten percent into what into the free agency yeah. decision. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well. But that is the kind of player that I think would help them in a few years, mm. and that would kind of give them some sort of, especially if you look at it, they don't have unless Russell really blows up, they don't have that like kind of guy or Levert. Yeah, um, one of those. They two. don't have uh, someone to sort of shoulder a scoring burden. But if they can find a bridge player that can put up some points and, you know, help them out a little bit there and kind of fade a little bit more into the background as these guys get better, as um, their 2019 pick becomes hopefully the franchise player, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, then we go from there. But it's funny. Uh, optimistic times in Brooklyn yeah. right now. I, I almost felt like if Kenny Atkinson morphed into a basketball player and NBA player, it would be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be J.J. Reddick. <laughs> you know. Why is that? Just because he's he's a hardworking player, he mm-hmm. can shoot. He's a guard, you know. He's he's a veteran leader. He kind of just he is like what Kenny would want on. He's the a court. competitor. Yeah, and that's and exactly. that's what he is. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, people would say Jeremy Lin too with his work ethic and all that and his leadership, but you know, I think JJ Redick just the fact that he could shoot the lights out of the three point ball and he's just such a hard worker. He would he would lead these guys like you said. He he was almost like a a perfect fit for what these guys wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely need that bridge guy. Whenever I hear Bridge now, I think Ramon Sessions, which just that's, that's another that's topic an for another day. Topic yeah. Right there. <sighs> yeah. Is there anything else that uh, we haven't talked about that you think is important for the season that maybe is not being discussed a lot in either uh, local Nets circles or obviously I would say nationally, but I'm not sure how much about the Nets is necessarily being discussed on a national level right now. Is there anything else that is going to be important key to their future that is not being discussed? Um. I don't know. I think just talking to fans, I'm like, you know, ignore the win-loss column. Look at what you see on the court. Look at the execution. Look at the game plan. You can see some shots aren't falling, but the quality of the looks are there. And now it's just a waiting game so we can get the quality of the players to make those good quality looks. You know, I I find it interesting also, and this is kind of off topic, but uh, relating to the Nets, you know, you're seeing a lot of fans come out of the woodworks and you know, especially at their, you know, the league's worst record at 20 and 62. It's kind of odd to hear that, you know. Now's but, a good time to get on the ground floor. You can mm-hmm. say you are an authentic Nets fan right. if they get good. I mean, I understand that emotion. And, I saw that a lot. Even though the larger number sort of decreased once the Wizards, well, I guess they've always been bad, but when they were really bad a few years ago, I think you had more people that were trying to jump in on the ground floor. Right. And uh, I was making a point on Twitter the other day is that, you know, folks in New York, older folks that grew up in New York, they kind of only had the Knicks to choose from now you have these young kids millennials that are growing up and they have an option mm-hmm. and you know the nets they're trendy they have the black and white colors they have a young team you they know got a young face and d'angelo russell right you know, like right the ultimate the, millennial player <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> what they love that and, you know that's that's so brooklyn that ice in my veins stuff that's mm-hmm. brooklyn street ball right there you know yeah. people like that so 
I think. And he's from the area, right? Isn't he from northern New Jersey? Something like that? Uh, is DeAndre? Uh, yeah, he's from Jersey for sure. Um, so I think that has oh, something else. It's not else exactly to the part. area right now. Well, I mean, the, <laughs> the Nets were from Jersey originally, yeah. so we'll, um, we'll take I'm going to Wikipedia this because I should know this. I think he played. Uh, no, he was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Where did he play high school ball? Uh, in Florida. What? Who? Was playing in jail. Why did I think he played? Maybe Kyrie. Jersey. You're thinking. Are you yeah, thinking yeah, Kyrie's yeah. going? Thinking Kyrie. Kyrie. Kyrie ain't going to Brooklyn. He ain't going to Brooklyn. He's coming to New York. Though. <laughs> uh, let's redact that. I never said that. Uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I know you said don't care about wins or losses, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's get a win loss and prediction and finish in the East prediction from y'all because uh, I want to keep track of these and see how we do. <sighs> um, mm, I'm comfortable going 31 and 51. Okay, that's not that would be quite good. So, what place in the East would that be? Uh, probably where did the Knicks finish this year? Eleventh, tenth, tenth. That would 12th. probably be uh, that probably somewhere be in that somewhere in the twelve to ten range. So they're not going to be the worst team in the East. No, I, I don't no. believe so. But okay, no, God I, knows. I think healthy, healthy Jeremy Lin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of factors. You uh, you know you trade Brook Lopez one guy and you get four starters in return. Um, you know. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but maybe 34 to 36 wins maximum. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, that, I mean, obviously, that's a big leaks, leap, 16 games. But, uh, you know, like I said, healthy Jeremy Lin, a few more talent, a few more talented players on the roster. I think, uh, you know, anything is possible, like KG would say. Yeah, a couple people asked us, like, is it crazy to think the Nets can compete for the eighth seed? I think it's a little nuts. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> they don't have the depth to. Yeah. To but at the same time, the bottom of the East is kind of open. So yeah, but you would take one Philly, or you would take a Charlotte, yeah. or mm-hmm. Detroit. Even mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be someone that rises up. I mean, I I think again, I think I'm not as optimistic as y'all. I think it's going to be another year of sub 25 wins oh, and God. 14th oh, or 15th Mike. in the East. Are you being petty about this Otto Porter offer too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's man. right. You can accuse me of that. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know. Like I mean, they lost their best player. We forget. From yeah. last year, you know, forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Brooke Lopez was their best player. People underestimate what they are losing in Brooke. Right, and now they, the future is much better, and they are in a position where they they they, they can show growth despite not winning many games. But I don't think that's going to reflect on the win loss record. Yeah, no, that's why I said to ignore that that whole thing. Just just throw the throw the win loss out, throw the standings out, and just look at what you see on the floor. All right, well. Christian Winfield, Anthony Puccio, thank you so much for joining the first of 30 uh, team man. previews. Where can they find you? Um, you can find him on Twitter at Apooch. Is there an underscore in there too? You guys know underscore Apooch. We, mm-hmm. uh, we have everything SoundCloud. We have uh, a Snapchat. <laughs> we have, you know, uh, Periscope. We have Instagram. So anything that's daily, you know, you can find us. Yeah. Yeah. What's something you guys websites? are doing this summer that you want people to know more about? Um, well, personally, I've been doing a Periscope uh, live yeah, video. Yeah, he started his first one last week. I yeah. tuned in. Yeah, and uh, I thought yeah. you'd have a suit on, but you didn't. It was nah, too late no, for that. No suits yeah. at home. <laughs> he is, no he's a very dapper dresser. When yeah, he most games, dapper. I must the, say. most dapper out of every net, Nets like writer I've seen in there. He's the one that I'm excited to see what you got in store next year. <laughs> oh man, we'll see. We'll Come see. On. I'm, I'm gonna keep you posted. Last year with the jacket, I brought that red jacket to stop the show. So this time, but no, you guys can find me on Twitter at Chris Blash, K R I S P L A S H E D. If you don't know where to find me, that's how you found me. Okay, so that's obviously the first. Ben will be back for the next one. He had a last-minute trip that he had to take. We Uh, miss you, Ben. Not really. Ben didn't want to talk Nets. Yeah, I think that's really what it was, Uh, even though it's a team that he lives, like, within walking distance of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so next up, we got the Lakers coming up. We're looking probably at Thursday for that. We're probably going to get—we're still finalizing the exact details of who's on, but 
looking at Zito Madu, who, yeah, oh, no. from com, as well as uh, folks from Silver Screen Roll, our old friends Harrison Fagan and Anthony Irwin. We're looking look for that Thursday. After that, we're looking at Phoenix, although we might reschedule that because of all the rumors that they've been involved in. Mm-hmm. This is a team preview series, and we want to hear how you guys think we're doing uh, with these. We want to we want to hear your questions. You know, these are being recorded for you. What do you want to hear from the people that follow these teams the most? Uh, we take those in, and um, we hope you enjoy this whole series. Until the next of our team previews, the Los Angeles Lakers, this is the Limited Upside Podcast.